Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm here to share an incredible work with you. Just a quick reminder before we get started. All sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find the link in the episode description as well as on our Instagram at accessible.art.history. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. Can you believe we're already on season four? It feels like I just started this podcast and then I remember that that was several months ago. Anyway, this season will focus on the art of the Northern and Italian Renaissances. To kick things off, I'm gonna be discussing the Marode Altarpiece. It's a spectacular triptych from the workshop of Robert Campan, a Burgundian artist active in the 15th century. Not only is it one of the earliest representations of the Annunciation in Northern European art, but it represents the genre perfectly. To learn more, then keep on listening. This altarpiece is classified as a triptych, which means that it's made up of three different panels. We're going to go over each panel in depth in this episode, but I think it's important to give a brief description to start things off with. The left panel features a pair of donor portraits in a garden, the central panel is an Annunciation scene, and the right panel shows St. Joseph in his carpentry workshop. It's a small work, only about two feet high. This likely means that it was used as a private devotional piece. The first panel I'm going to discuss is the leftmost one, featuring a set of donor portraits. Although there isn't a door shown leading into the house, we can assume that they are looking into the room where the Annunciation is taking place. Art historians aren't quite sure about their identity, but it is clear that they are wealthy from both their clothes and the fact that they could afford to commission a work of this caliber. If you look behind the donors, you can see that they are in an enclosed garden space. This is a symbol of Mary's virginity, an important tenet of the Catholic faith. The door is open, showing a bustling town. However, it's not located in 1st century Nazareth, but in 15th century Burgundy. The artist chose to create a contemporary setting, bringing the Annunciation closer to the patrons. The central panel is the largest, and therefore the most important of this piece. As I mentioned before, it features an Annunciation scene. This is when the angel Gabriel flew down from heaven to inform Mary that she was going to bear the Son of God. Campan and his workshop chose to depict the moment right before the big reveal. Gabriel has entered the room, and Mary hasn't looked up from her book. As with the left panel, the scene takes place in a contemporary Netherlandish home. This painting is absolutely filled with symbolism. Firstly is Mary herself. Her long, unbound hair is a symbol of purity, while the fact that she is reading a book of hours shows her piety and intelligence. If you look closely in the left-hand corner, you will see the Holy Spirit flying in. In fact, it moves so fast that it extinguished the candle on the table. Unusually, Campan chose to show the Holy Spirit as a miniature version of Christ, complete with a cross, instead of the typical dove. Both the white lily and shiny pot are nods to Mary's purity and virginity. The right-hand panel features St. Joseph, hard at work in his carpentry studio. He is surrounded by the tools of the trade and is hard at work building a mouse trap. This is yet another use of symbolism, as this object was often used to represent the crucifixion. It also shows that he was hardworking and able to provide for Mary and her unborn child. Outside the window, we see the same bustling city as in the left panel. It is a bit strange to see St. Joseph included in the Marode altarpiece. The Annunciation took place before Mary and Joseph's marriage, so it seems to suggest that maybe they were living together. This, however, could be chalked up to artistic license, or the idea that one of the people that commissioned the work had St. Joseph as their personal patron saint. Now that I've covered the triptych itself, let's dive into the artist, or at least the artist we believe painted this work. Robert Campan was born around 1375. Not much is known about his life other than a few tidbits here and there about his career, 
and the fact that he went to jail for having an affair. He is considered to be one of the most successful artists of the early Northern Renaissance period. Not only was he a member of both the Painters and Goldsmith Guilds, but dozens of paintings have been attributed to him. Basically, art historians analyze works and try and match styles to say that they were from the same person. Campan was active in Belgium for about 30 years and died in 1444. Next, I'm going to talk about art and religion during this period in history, but first, let's take a quick break. into the Northern Renaissance. Like its Italian counterpart, which I'll be discussing later in the season, the Northern Renaissance was a time of tremendous growth in the art world. First and foremost was the development of the middle class. Trade was flourishing at this time, which helped bridge the gap between peasants and noblemen. This means that there was also more money and more people to commission art. But unlike in Italy, subjects of worse tended to focus solely on religion and not on mythology, the other huge development in art in this time was the invention and use of oil paint. Previously, artists had used tempera paint. This was made up of pigment, water, and some sort of binder, usually egg yolk. It dried quickly and was long-lasting, which is kind of important in art. In fact, we have samples of paint that have survived from ancient Egypt and ancient Rome. There isn't necessarily anything wrong with tempera paint, but once oil came along, the differences were clear. As the name suggests, oil paint uses some kind of oil, like poppy or flaxseed oil, as the binder, as opposed to egg. This type of paint allowed for richer pigmentation and variation in color, texture, and the capturing of light. It is the reason we see so many rich tones in this works and others of this period. Artists fell in love with oil paints and used them a lot in art from this period forward. Oil painting also helped the private devotional art industry to boom. It could be used to create minute details, which was important for small works. At this time, religion was at the heart of daily life. The calendar was created by the church, from feast days to the saints, to what prayers had to be said at what times of day. So, it was easy to see why someone would want a personal triptych to aid in their devotion. From the size, we can easily see it was being carried from room to room or from house to house. It isn't the grand art of a church, but of a citizen. At this point in history, the Catholic Church was starting to lose its grip on power. There had been a full-on schism in the West, including the fact that there were two popes running around. This caused people to begin to lose faith in the once mighty church. Then a massive plague hit. Was God punishing them? People were concerned about their mortal souls and how they were practicing their faith. Although it would be several decades before the Protestant Reformation would start, we can start to see the inklings of the break here. The Marode Altarpiece is a spectacular work of early Northern Renaissance art. Not only does it show the talent of artists operating at this period, but the detailed symbolism and intimate size capture the emotions of a time far gone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history for updates and keep an eye out for our next episode. They drop every Monday on your favorite podcast platform. <laughs>